I know what you're thinking. But Chad, you just put out a podcast episode. That's very true, people, but I'm back again. Two episodes, one week, as we're getting set for Just for Laughs at the end of the summer. I will tell you about this episode in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about an amazing, amazing contest we're running right now through the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame and our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's a contest, and it's a very cool one. If you are a founding member of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, you could win a VIP package worth over $1,000 just by following these three easy steps by July 15th. Here's how you enter. You follow the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, which you should be doing anyways. You create a short video, say 10 seconds around there, sharing who you think should be inducted into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame this year and why. If it's longer than 10 seconds, that's cool. If it's shorter, that's cool too. Send us a video. We want to see it. Tag the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame in your post. Use the hashtag CCHOF23 and the hashtag CCHOF vote now. That's it. That's who, how you enter. And if you're not a member yet, that's easy. That's no problem. Just go to Canadian Comedy Hall dot com or find our social media links where you click to sign up to become a member and you can win that vip trip worth over a thousand dollars to hamilton where the all the galas will take place everything to do with the canadian comedy hall of fame you'll be invited to the induction ceremonies it'll be amazing okay let's jump right in today's episode today's episode is all about the just for culture show which will be happening this year at Just for Laughs in just two weeks. It's backed by popular demand. It was formerly known as The Ethnic Show, featured a diverse lineup of comedians from various cultural backgrounds and experience, each with a distinct personality, experience, comedy styles, all those things. It's going to be a killer show, big night of comedy, some of the biggest acts from North America uh, who are doing it all for their culture. They're repping their culture. The host of the show is Alonzo Bowden. Had a chance to meet Alonzo last year, talk with him. Great guy. He's going to kill it hosting. Joelle Nicole Johnson, Judy Gold, uh, Malik Alsalsa, and my two guests today, Zarna Garg and Arthur Simeon. I will get to Zarna in just a bit, but first I need to talk about Arthur. Arthur, he's Ugandan-born, Toronto-based comedian. He's performed just about a decade all over the world. Uh, he's truly a gifted storyteller. Arthur has appeared multiple times at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, the Odd Block Comedy Festival, Festival, and JFL 42, as well as CBC Television, HBO, the Comedy Network. He's been everywhere. His unique comedic voice and perspective have been featured in the Global Mail, Now Magazine, and the Toronto Star. Arthur is a regular performer on CBC's Laugh Out Loud and the Debaters. And he loves banana bread, which is the first question I had to get to because I also love banana bread. I hope you enjoy it. Great chat with Arthur Simeon. We even talk potluck. We talk a lot of food in this one. A lot of food in this episode. So here it is, my chat, Arthur Simeon on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. What is it about banana bread that you love so much? I mean, what is there not to love about banana bread? Like you have, it's just the simplest components. You can never go wrong. I mean, some people do find a way to mess it up. But if you find the right balance of banana to to flour to like chocolate chip, it's just, it's a perfect, the perfect snack. It needs chocolate dessert, chips, right? It's, yeah, it's dessert. It does need some chocolate chips, yes. You you can get it with not putting any in, but yeah, just throw throw a couple in there. 
chocolate and banana, you can't go wrong. It's uh, it's the best combination. I'm a, I'm a yeah, big fan. I've never made it myself. Yeah, I mean, it's always better when someone else makes it for you. 100%. I've also discovered that in my love for banana bread. Because I've made it myself, doesn't know good. And it's the perfect meal. It can be breakfast, lunch, dinner. It can be appetizer, main course, dessert. It can be mid midday snack. Can be midnight snack. It's everything. Yeah, I love your I love your passion for banana bread. Where did where did comedy start for you? So you were born um, in Uganda. <laughs> came to Canada, went to school in Peterborough, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, did. I, I actually I actually live in Brockville, so I'm not I'm not too far okay. from Peterborough. Um, yeah. uh so where where did this journey begin? Where did you decide to like first get up at an open mic or wherever you decided to do it? Well the first stand up show I did was actually in university as part of an international student like sort of like variety night, talent night kind of thing. And that was the first time I did like five minutes, I think. Um, and but before that, I had always been comfortable public speaking. I kind of always enjoyed the idea of, you know, kind of being able to talk about stuff that people didn't really want to talk about. Some of the obvious things is right in front of you. And, and so discovering that stand up was an avenue to sort of bring everything silly, introspective things I don't understand and just sort of be able to talk about them because people I feel e- find it easier when, when they can laugh about things. And I think that's what for me it started. Like I could, I could sort of talk about the society around me without having to like, uh, and pretend like I was just doing it for jokes, but really asking questions. So I think it's at a university. That's when the love for it really started. You said that it was uh, easy for you to get that first 10 minutes um, you know, some people, you know, you, you work on that first five or six for the first year, and then you tried to build it out to 10 minutes in year two and three, but you said you had that first 10 minutes really quick, just getting off the plane, uh, to Canada. What were some of the things yeah. that you noticed that were funny to you coming, coming into a new country? Yeah. I mean, the always, the always easiest thing is to do just a, a, a quick juxtaposition, a quick comparison and just knowing in my, that first 10 minutes included talking about directions. You, 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 when you grow up in Canada, it's so easy to get used to the fact that every street has a name, every city is planned and built, it's a grid, it's left, right, north, south, east, west, like, you know, you kind of like, it's easy to find your way around and someone just gives you like, you know, I grew up in a country and in a city that wasn't nearly as planned, nearly as grid-like, not all the streets have names, and so you kind of used physical like you know like mango trees and the 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 bicycle store like weird descriptions to try and get someone to come to your house and if any of that changed you had to be on top of it because then you had to give people new instructions right if if someone cut down a tree if a business moved if a you know if a school moved and so it was easy to just talk about that it was talk about the weather differences the culture differences the fact that People here really believe in potlucks. And so that first 10 minutes was easy because it was all about this is what I know and this is where you guys are showing me. It, it's funny you mentioned potlucks. There's a, there's a comedy show that's going to happen in Ottawa coming up in the next few weeks, and it's a comedy potluck. So comedian has to do a set and bring an item for people to try. 
And so you get, I think you get rated on best item you brought in. Your comedy set doesn't even matter. So yeah, com- potlucks disgusting. are becoming. <laughs> yeah. That is disgusting. Whoever is doing that needs to be uh, tried in like a human rights commission. Like why? Why would you? Why would you make people sit through that? Because now not only do they have to sit through, uh, anyone who who signs up for this has to both bring good comedy and good food, and that's impossible. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Comedians don't have the money to buy the good ingredients that that come with getting good food. <laughs> no, yeah. No. Um, is there a comedy scene in Uganda? I have a lot of people on the show from different countries. I'm always asking them, like, have they gone back and done uh, uh, comedy in, in their their home country, or is is it even a a, a thing there? Yes, it's, the the scene is growing. I was actually there in December of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the beginning of this year, and the scene is growing. There's a few very, very well-known comedians that are sort of traveling through the country and performing. Uh, there's not a, an open mic scene quite as much, so the development is difficult that way because all the shows are sort of professional shows. But comedy is thriving, um, and with the internet and people being able to, with technology, people recording their sets, and being able to expose themselves to the rest of the world, which wasn't a thing when I first started. Mm, yeah, that's that's for sure. That internet boom has definitely, you know, made it easier for people to to get noticed. It's what what I think it's done is really had talent can now shine through, right? Like if you're in a place like Peterborough, you yeah. can get noticed in Toronto much quicker. Yeah. Um, so did you, after that first open mic, did you, or that first international show that you did, did, did you make the jump right to Toronto? What, what was that time frame like? Well, actually I started in Peterborough and then, yes, I, I, my first, I would say comedy club experience was in Toronto. I did like a Tuesday, like amateur night mm-hmm. and it actually went really well. The guy who was hosting it was kind of like very complimentary. And I was like, oh, it's just, he does that for everyone. And then I didn't come back for like two or three weeks. And when I did, he was like, dude, like, why didn't you come back? Like, I thought you had something going. And so the first, like, I said two or three times were great. And I was like, oh, I'm a natural. Um, this is This is easy. And then as soon as I sort of stepped out of that little bubble that I had created for myself. I just say falling flat on my face. And then it was just like, okay, we have to work on this. Yeah. I think that for most people, when they, they start in the club, I was talking that with, with uh, Jeffrey Asmus yesterday, the club is like forgiving, right? Especially on yeah. the, those amateur nights where the host sets it up like, Hey, you guys are here for a new talent showcase or whatever you want to call yeah. it. It's a forgiving atmosphere. Great place oh, to start though. You're you're performing at JFL. You've been to JFL many times. How many times have you been to Just for Last? Do you know? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. Quite. I mean, I'm going to say maybe seven. Okay. Seven years. Yeah. What has that experience going to Montreal, going to JFL, done for your career? Oh, it does. It does a lot. I mean, it gives you a credibility in, especially in Canada, that uh, that is needed to be able to travel and to to work and and stuff like that. Um, it also allows you not to have to bring food for the audience to try to do a stand-up show. So I don't, you know, I'm still, I'm still on the potluck thing. Uh, I like, Hey, here's some chicken wings. And then also I have this five minutes for you. This is very strange. Um, I, um, also, I don't know if you've been to comedy shows, but 
when people walk up on stage, the last thing I need them to give me is food. Yeah. Like yeah, any yeah, comedy exactly. show. Like if I see someone on stage, I'm like, please don't. If they brought a big foil wrap saying, like, hey, I made this, I'll be like, no, thank <laughs> you. I no. Um, Present your food. I um no, going to the festival is always good because it's like I mean it's like camp for for a bunch of idiots. So you, you get to hang out with so many different comics from all over the world, get to watch comedy from all over the world, which is always a great experience. And then for your career, it's a nice little boost. It's a nice little boost. You 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 get to meet people who would otherwise probably not even know you or book you, and you get exposed to audiences that are, you know, um, the, you know, people because people also fly in from all over the world to watch shows. So if people kind of come in, they can go back to wherever they came from and be like, okay, we saw this guy. And so yeah, it's always it's always fun. It's been a big it's, boost. It's so fun. I can't I can't wait. I'm I, I'm going next month. It's my my second time heading to to Just for Laughs. Um, yeah. You got a crazy run. You're gonna do the Just for Culture show that runs the 18th through the 26th, and yeah. then just when you think you're done, you have your own show. Yeah. The the 27th, uh, which yeah. is, which is very exciting. It's very exciting. Um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You're, you're going to be busy though. Uh, yeah. Will you have time to fit everything in that you want to fit in? Yeah, because I mean, it it takes a little bit of planning, but um, when we do the just for culture shows, that's one show a night, and mm-hmm. so I'll allow myself to go watch other things, you know, while I'm there, you know, get to meet people uh the i'm working on my own show right now i'm in the middle of prepping it and trying to get ready for it and i think that's exciting because it's a bit different this time some people were coming to see a brand people will come to see you and then i believe i also have the gala taping the, the night after that so it's like it's a run of very of three very different kind of shows but i definitely will make uh, a, a, an effort to go see as much as i can yeah, you know, I didn't just know that. So does a, a really good thing of like giving you like a schedule every day, so you can plan around you know stuff and everything is so close by. You can walk to everything, so it's like it's. I'm excited. It's great. It's 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 the best festival in in the world. I didn't know about the gala thing. That wasn't on your the media sheet they gave me. Uh, is it? Are you oh. doing the Russell Peters gala? I don't know. Maybe I that's have a no secret. Idea. Yeah, maybe if it is, I'll ask them. I'll ask yeah. them. Maybe, maybe it's not supposed to be. I'll ask them before the I pick the episode. Guns out. outside my window right now. That explains drone. I think those I, Montreal I think I police them. officers. Yeah, yeah. The security yeah. just for laughs hires is on yeah. you. Is it the Russell Peters gala? I, again, don't put me in more trouble. Why don't <laughs> put me in more trouble? I, actually, I actually have no idea. I can honestly okay. say I have no idea. Yeah. It's a yeah. it's a secret. Well, let's 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 just say it is, and we'll talk about Russell uh, and what he's done for your career. I know you've toured, toured with Russell Peters. He kind of yes, put you under your wing a little bit. Just yeah. what you know. This is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, and he is for sure a, a future a future Hall of Famer. Oh, uh, I mean, if he's not already, I I I know in in sports they kind of wait for you to retire, but mm-hmm. I hope he never retires because I guess comedy is one of the beautiful things that you don't have to retire from. I I mean it's you can put it into words what that was especially just being a kid who when i met him he was already famous you know like a lot of people kind of knew him on his way up i didn't and it, it was yeah it's it's kind of wild because you you walk into rooms you know you go from doing open mics of 40 people and you're doing rooms of eight thousand ten thousand people and it's just like what is happening here i don't even understand 
uh, but you get a fan base, a fan base that till today will still reach out and come to my shows and tell me, hey, we saw you on tour with Russ Beaters and, you know, we've kind of kept up, we've kept tabs on you, which is kind of amazing. So it's always, I, I owe him immensely. What was the first time you met Russell? Do, do you know? It was at an after party for one of his shows. Okay. Because we had a few mutual friends um people he had started out with that i was working with that were just kind of like hey man you want to come to this party and then him and i end up chit-chatting for a little bit and then i believe it was the end of the night it was the first time or second time i met him i can't remember he was like you want to come do my show in this city i can't remember what it was and i was like oh it's just a one-off and then it became three four you know and it was great that's awesome um yeah is there any we literally met at like a party Oh, so he had he seen you perform yet? No, just like he, I want to bring. I a... believe he went off the recommendations of people. Awesome, yeah. Uh, uh, um, is there any other when you're starting out? Comedy was like a, a new thing to you. Doing it, you know, like like you said, your first set. Was there anybody else that you kind of watched, um, Canadian or not? That was there was an influence on your standup. I mean, mostly Canadians. I mean, every time people ask this question, people are kind of always expect you know the famous names and the famous names of people i definitely watched and mm-hmm. if you're thinking of a famous name right now i i i i would say yes probably they were an influence of some point but specifically because of what this podcast is two people were very instrumental one was uh nikki payne mm-hmm. uh who is still very much working and one of the funniest people i know because she was the first person i saw just absolutely demolish a room like just do comedy so well that people are losing their minds like they're having almost like an otherworldly experience and she told me what that means what what it, what it means to get to to write and to perform at such a level that everything is in tune and it's, it's almost perfect like a perfect 45 50 60 minutes of comedy and then for me as a mentor was kenny robinson because he Took me on the road with him early, and I believe all three of those, Russell Peters, Kenny Robinson, and Nikki Payne, should, if not if not already, should be in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame because of what they have done. Kenny from uh, stand from his stand up, but also from how much he's fostered a community within minority comedy in, in Canada, uh, especially Black Canadian comedy, and what he's done for it. But also just being a mentor and teaching. You know, he would always tell me in the beginning. He would say. You you will be you'll be you'll do well if you can write clean material as well as filthy material. Because when I started out, I was very filthy because I thought that was what was funny. And it's small things like that that were actually great because when you're starting out, it's hard to find work until you do the clean comedy, and then you can branch out and do whatever you want to talk about when you get better. But when you're starting out and people don't know who you are and they don't trust you. And you're young. I was 21, 22. Being 21, 22, being filthy is is kind of it's just funny in a sad way because <laughs> everyone's looking at you, being like, "You don't know what you're talking about. You don't yeah. know. You haven't seen filth yet. You're 21. How much filth could you possibly have seen?" Yeah. So um, those are the two people I would think about. 
that the the that's perfect. Kenny or Nikki Payne, multiple winner of Canadian Comedy Awards, and and Kenny yeah. Robinson. I don't know if you know this is actually the president of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Perfect. Uh, so he's the president. Yeah, yeah. So he's the president of who we do this podcast for. Right. Um, absolutely, you're right. Amazing. They call him the Godfather for a reason. The show you uh, referred to. The Nubian show, which has just kicked off the the careers of of so many great Canadian, so talents. many people. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Are there? Thanks so much for doing this. Mentioning Kenny and and Nikki, I think that's a great way to end it. Um, I will hopefully see you at just for last. I'm definitely going to be in the audience to a show uh, for the I'll, culture uh, show. We'll definitely have a tea. Uh, we'll do a small potluck. You bring something, I bring something. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I like it. It's a good plan. Looking thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Arthur once again for coming on. That was a lot of fun talking with him. Can't wait to see his set at Just for Laughs. Very, very excited to get to the Just for Culture show once again. That is July 18th to the 26th, 7 p.m. Club Soda, Just for the Culture at Just for Laughs. And I have one other person from that show, and it's Zarna Garg. If you are a comedy fan and you don't know Zarna, she's blowing up. She's known as the one in a billion. And that's just not the name of her first comedy special. She's also the only Indian mom comedian taking on her mother-in-law with her comedy. She was recently profiled as one of the gutsiest women in comedy on Apple TV's new Gutsy Women series and featured on This American Life with Ira Glass when she's not doing 15 shows a week, 15 a week at the cellar in New York City. She's touring the world with her show. She's the winner of Kevin Hart's Lift Comics, the winner of the 2021 Ladies and La- Ladies of Laughter Award and has over 1 million followers across social media platforms. Her debut feature screenplay, Rearranged, won the Top Comedy Feature Award at the Austin Film Festival in 2019 and was a 2019 Nickel Fellowship semifinalist. Zarna's going to be really busy at Just for Laughs. Of course, like I said, she's doing the Just for Culture show, uh, which runs the 18th to the 26th, 7 p.m. Club Soda. She also has her own show, Truth Bombs. Uh, the show dates for that are July 26th and July 27 at La Belkin Theater. And she's going to be part of the Variety 10 Comics to Watch show. Uh, they have many dates coming up for that one and even a little cocktail drink hour as well uh, that's part of the festival. I had a lot of fun talking to her. I'm out of breath from reading her credits. She's done so much already in the very short time she's been doing comedy. This is an amazing conversation of how this woman got into comedy. It's very, very cool. She's a lot of fun to talk to. I hope you enjoy it. My interview with Zarna Garg on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. What was it like when you when you did Toronto and Vancouver? Oh my God, unreal and so fun. I had three shows at uh, the Royal, I think. I believe the theater was in Toronto. Yeah. All three were sold out. Every seat was gone. And uh, the audience was phenomenal. It was such a fun audience. And um, Vancouver was so fun and so unexpectedly. I actually wasn't in Vancouver. I was there for another project, not for comedy. But while mm-hmm. I was there, I figured why not, you know, on a moment's notice, we announced a show. And we had such a good time. The audience was so fun and so lively. I, I can't wait to be back in Canada. What does getting a spot like on Just for Laughs, your own shows, um, premiering your new hour and and doing the Just for Culture show, what does that mean to you like as a comic in your career at this point? 
I mean, it's a, it's an honor. It's a very high honor because I know who I'm with. Even on the culture show, it's like the names that I'm with. I'm I'm in awe of all my fellow comics on that show. So I, it's it's a big honor. But honestly, I have learned not to think about it too much because then I get psyched. You know, it it play. I I, if I think about the legacy of the Just for Labs festival. And traditionally, the kind of people that are invited to participate, then I start second guessing myself and like all kinds of imposter syndrome sets in. So I just come to these things and I'm going to come to Montreal as if I'm having a big dinner party and I'm inviting everybody into my world, whether it's a short show or a long show. And I, I believe that everybody who joins my part of the show is going to have a blast. That's amazing. Your your story is is amazing. Um, and how you got started into to stand-up comedy. Can you just talk about that first show? And I believe it was your daughter who kind of convinced you to take that leap. Yes. So I was a stay-at-home mom for 16 years. I have three kids. I mean, that was, first of all, what was I thinking having three, three kids? You know what I mean? <laughs> I have but, one okay. and it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot, right? Like, you know what I mean? But No, look, I know why I had two kids. My oldest was a girl. I had to fix that. So, okay, the two. <laughs> but then the third one, I'm not sure what happened there. <laughs> uh, I think the first two slept through one night and I was like, this is easy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for 16 years and I was really dying to get back to work and wanted to figure out my next act. Now, I'm a licensed trained lawyer in New York City, but I was so bad at it. I mean, I was the worst lawyer in New York. Literally, all my clients are in jail. You should not come to me. <laughs> so I knew that that was not really an option. And my daughter, you know, who was 16 at the time, said to me, all my friends have so much fun listening to you when they come to our house. Why don't you try comedy? And I was like, that's not a job. Like, I had never thought of comedy as like a career, you know. Uh, I had never even been into a comedy club to watch a show, let alone thinking of performing. Mm. Because I didn't know, you know, Indian people don't really... Uh, go to comedy clubs it's a new thing for our culture well first of all we don't believe in fun so why would we go <laughs> we we go to like dark depressing places where we can learn how to code <laughs> so uh, but my daughter was very insistent and because as a mom for 15 16 years I had made my kids do everything they hated they ganged up on me they were like oh mom's too scared to try something new you know, and just almost on a dare, I decided to go just to shut my kids up. And then, of course, the first open mic changed my life. Did you go watch stand up before that first open mic? Did you no. go at least you just you just went. Did you watch it online? I had seen like I remember seeing Seinfeld's opening monologues and stuff. And, okay. but I didn't know that people paid money to watch that in real life. I thought that was part of the TV show. Right. You know, so I kind of had some awareness of what it was, but not really as an art form. And mm -hmm. and I really went to the open mic that I went to, very convinced that I'm doing this to shut my kids up. Just okay. so I can go, I can take a selfie that I went, so they see the proof, and then I never have to do it again. And then I can continue looking for a real career. Did you go by yourself? Yeah. Just yeah. went by yourself. And yeah. how did it go? Um, so I remember when I walked in, it was the basement of a Mexican restaurant and I was like, what is going on here? Like, you know, 
And the lady who ran it said, why don't you go on stage and just talk about anything you find funny? And I was like, anything? And she's like, anything. And so I just went up there and started trashing my mother-in-law. Because who doesn't find that funny? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the audience was dying. And I was like, I looked around. I'm like, this is a job? Like, people do this? I mean, white people do this? It had never occurred to me that this could be. I was like, I've been robbed of millions in my life already. That's a, that's a that's amazing. That is an incredible. I get a lot of people's stories on this show about their first sets, but that's that's one of the better ones. Now you're doing the cellar comedy cellar in New York yeah. City, very yeah. famous room. You're doing like 15 shows a week. Sometimes I've yeah. read there. How, what's, what's like your motivation still to get up and go to those mics and go to those shows every uh, every night? My motivation is quite basic. In fact, I call it my desperation. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have three kids and people ask me, how are my kids? I tell them they're expensive. Uh, <laughs> they, they are very expensive. And uh, I, I'm a serious kind of person in general. Like when I want to do something, I'm really just on it. Uh, so I, I wanted a career. I wasn't looking for work. I wanted to build something that will last through the test of time. Comedy happened to be this thing just just appeared into my life. And now I'm obsessed with it as an art form. The fact that comedians work so hard, I have so much respect for for the people who do this. Not because it's hard, which it is, but because no one who consumes comedy can even fathom how much work goes into creating smart comedy like mm. so it's an obsessive compulsive space where you literally sit and like try to manipulate human emotions to the nth degree so i have a lot of respect and that is uh, combined with my general work ethic and my need for you know for generating income and cash flow i think this has become the perfect storm of what my career has become you said um, the Indian community in the Indian community comedy isn't isn't a thing, um, but do you think that's changing? I'm a stand up comedian. A lot of times at the club, after people coming up to talking to me um, are Indian, so yeah. and we have conversations, and they love the shows, and they're they're really into it. I'm seeing way way more comedians from India. Do you think that 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 tide is changing? Absolutely, I think that people are understanding what it is, and they are understanding that if if jokes are made, they're not personal. That's a big hump that we have to overcome as a people because mm. if you don't understand that the joke is not meant for you specifically, you would get offended. And um, I think that people are coming around to it. In my shows, a lot of my audience is new, has never been to a comedy show. And the funniest thing is sometimes they come up to me too to talk after the show and they're like, this is such a funny concept. You stand there and you just tell jokes. And as if I invented, <laughs> they say to me things like, you should do more of this. More people <laughs> should do this. And I and I tell them, I'm like, you know, I could recommend some comedians to you. <laughs> I know a few. I know a few. Uh, so it's, it's that new, but it's growing. And because there's so many Indians in the world, when word spreads, it spreads fast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you have you done comedy back in India? do you know if there's no. a scene there at all there is but it's it's a very uh nascent scene it's very new there's mm -hmm. a few comics who are who are established but there's very few women comics and even fewer married women with kids 
Mm. Almost nobody does what I do, which is joke about the mother-in-law and family and culture humor. It's, uh, but it's growing. And, and it's a very vibrant scene. And I believe it's going to take off in a big way in the next uh, few years. Absolutely. Your, your uh, previous special uh, one in a billion, which is now out on prime. Um, you're now getting, you're now putting together a new hour. You've put together a new hour truth yes. bombs, which you're, you said you're going to be uh, almost premiering at, at just for last for, for two show, solo shows, July 26th and 27th at La Belkin um, in Montreal. What was that process like putting together a new hour first of all what was the time frame like like how long was it a year that basically you've worked on this uh no i think it's been less than that because uh wow. when one in a billion was one in a billion was shot about six months ago mm-hmm. and it just now released about a month ago so i had five months when it was shot but not yet released so i was working i was still out there performing that show because it hadn't been out released on social media on digital yet but once it came out on digital, I knew I was already aware a year ago that I would need another hour. So while I was performing One in a Billion, I started running two new jokes, three new jokes in every set so that I could start collecting, building the arsenal for the new show. And the last about month and a half, I've only been running the new show. And it kind of just came, started coming together. And between now and when I land in Montreal, I have I don't know, over 25 shows. So I'm working like constantly as much time as I can get on any stage I can get it. Uh, I just take it because by the time I get to Montreal, I want it to be in really good shape. But we'll um, be ready. But we'll be ready. It, it's going to be great. There's no there's no doubt about that. And the crowds in Montreal are are some of the best. So they're, they're going to love it. Um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, they, they had you open for them, um, for, I guess their stage show. Can you tell me how that came about and what, and what that was like to, uh, American comedy legends? I mean, I, I have no, idea. like how, how people find, you know, look, I really believe in doing the best job at the job that I have in hand. I don't really worry much about what will come and who will like it and all of that. Somebody saw me somewhere and recommended me for the opening and, you know, and then I heard from their team and my team and all of that. And I, of course, I'm completely honored. I've seen both Tina and Amy and their TV shows and all that they've done over the years. I wasn't sure what their live show would be like, but they're so hysterical and hilarious. And once I met them, it all fell into place. Like we all come from the same space of wanting to amplify clean smart comedy wanting to be part of that clean smart comedy space and also being quite feminist in its tone so it became like a good fit for all of us which they must have seen from the outside because I would not have predicted it and I don't even know if I would have had the courage to be like I should be working with you guys Mm. you know um, what does your family life look like now? Um, I'm, I'm a I'm a father, um, so I know like sometimes comedy and and being a parent is is a people on the outside looking in are like, oh, how does this match match up? So I'm just curious um, for my own sake, what what does family life look like for you um, in in blends with comedy? I mean, look, my kids are with me on social media. People know, the whole world knows my kids because I have literally hundreds of millions of views across platforms on videos that I make with my husband, my son, my daughter. Um, 
So they're kind of getting used to it. I think that in the beginning, they were like, we're not sure what we're doing, but they've seen the amount of joy that we bring to people. People relate, right? Like you're a parent. You might see a video of me with my son and relate to it at whatever level about, about taking a sport, not taking a sport, how expensive camp is or whatever. And now that my family sees that we are actually fulfilling a real higher purpose, it's it's all coming together beautifully. Wherever they go, you know, people are, are first of all, the absolute best thing about being a comic, and I'm sure you understand because you're a comic as well, is that when people see you, they immediately just smile. They don't even know why they're smiling, but they associate you with, with humor, with happy things. So that has been great. The big complication in being a family comic is that a lot of things that I make fun about, my kids' school, my kids' college, their teachers, professors, admin, they all follow me. <laughs> and I run into trouble all the time. Like my son has to do a reading log. I don't know if that's a thing in Canada, but it's like a piece of paper where you write what you read yeah. every day. You know what I'm talking about, right? I know. Yeah. Now, everybody lies on that log. Everybody I know is lying on that log. <laughs> Nobody is reading 50 pages a night that I'm aware of and certainly no kid. And yeah, and of course I made a video about it. And the next day my son is like, my teacher saw your video. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's real life. Everything I put out there is based on my life and experiences and hopefully relating to other people's lives and their experiences. So my family What's your around. Yeah. What, what, what's your writing process like? Do you use social media to kind of be like, oh, is this an idea that can be so like when you're putting something out like the reading log? you know, if this gets enough momentum and people can relate to it, then I might build that into a bit. Is that part exactly. of it? Exactly. That is a part of it for sure. And also once you start doing, I'm on the stage so much in real life that I can see when I'm doing crowd work, I can see the things that are getting people excited and the things that just don't seem to resonate. Like I'll give you an example. I'm dying to make a joke about father-in-law, but that topic does not resonate with the audience. I mm. don't know what it is. Anytime I try a joke about the father-in-law, it's like the man doesn't exist. <laughs> no one is interested. But the minute I say the words mother-in-law, the audience is just erupts. Like that's a topic that people know is going to be funny. So, you know, I'm constantly paying attention. The whole idea is to learn when you're on stage. People think that the comic is there to entertain, but actually we are there to learn what you like, what you don't like. So it becomes part of our process going forward. And that's certainly why I'm on stage a lot. Um, Zarna, thanks so much for doing this. Once again, uh, I just want to let people know Just for Culture is the show, which is uh, a long running show at Just for Laughs. It's going to be on all week at Club Soda, I think eight performances. And then your show, Truth Bombs, your solo show, July 26th and 27th at LaBelkin. Uh, just for laughs is where you go for tickets for all of those. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It was really nice meeting you. And uh, I'm going to be in Montreal uh, next month as well. So uh, I'm definitely going to come and check out your shows. Please, I invite you to join me. Let me know what I can do to get you even to my solo shows, to the culture shows. Such an honor to be there. And thank you so much for having me on your show. That's it. That's all. That's the show. It was a great one. Thanks to Just for Laughs for setting that up for me. It was, it was a very exciting 
week last week. Uh, of course, I have the JFL Nasty Show episode of the podcast. That came out on Tuesday. So if you want to go back one episode to episode 26, listen to this one. This was the Just for Culture, Just for the Culture show of the podcast. Done for Just for Laughs. Once again, Just for the Culture is July 18th to the 26th, 7 p.m. Club Soda in Montreal at Just for Laughs. Check that show out if you're in the area. It's going to be amazing. That's it for me. Tons of fun. Can't wait for the next episode. More big things are coming out before the Just for Laughs Festival. Don't forget, get in that contest if you're a member of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. If you're not yet, you should be. That's how you vote for the amazing, amazing nominees. For the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, I'm Chad Noonan.